We just brought you on to to solve our problems. We're not actually ever going to broadcast this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just have a list of questions, and can you help me get my email working, too? So don't just sit there, slack-jawed, buggy-eyed. I'm here to get your project on time. You got me bona fides, certified. Can somebody help me with this tricky rhyme? You got a powerful urge to help you out. Show me your bugs, I really want to code. Okay, hello, and welcome to the Drupal Easy Podcast, episode number 172. Uh, I'm Ted Bowman, Ted Bow on Drupal.org, and... We're glad to have you with us, and today we have with us Kelly Curry, Brightbold. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Glad to be here. So, uh, people, hopefully, if they haven't forgotten, uh, you're one of, our new co- <laughs> are one of our new co-hosts, but hasn't been able to be on, but hopefully will be on more in the future. Um, you were on here in December, right? Or Jan- early January? I, yeah, I was, here, I was here for the year-end podcast, and then all the ones since then. Uh, conflicted with my children's school events, so I would have been on the podcast if it weren't for those meddling kids. So um, did we actually didn't have a guest that time, right? Correct. You were kind of the guest. I did the five questions, I know. Yeah, yeah. I was very honored. So this is uh, kind of like your first time as a co-host because you were sort of like in between guest and co-host last time. Yes. Um, and, also, and also we have Andrew Riley. Hello, how, how are things down there in the south? They're pretty good. They're getting kind of warm, and I'm also super excited to be back without schedule conflicts. It seems like uh, Mike, the missing Mike, uh, like looks at my calendar and like, oh, Tuesday at 9. Andrew's got a meeting. Okay, we'll schedule it then. So is this where, where we announce the coup of how we got rid of Mike? Are, are we legally allowed <laughs> to talk about that yet? Yeah, maybe. Oh, you can cut this out or ask the lawyer and then cut it out. Yep, a shovel um, and some lime. <laughs> but as usual, we have a special guest, and I really should have asked uh, our guest how to pronounce his name. I think I maybe have it. Uh, Jeff Geerling, Geerling guy on Drupal.org and many other places. How's it going, Jeff? It's going good, and you've pronounced it correctly. Okay. I just yeah, had never actually asked you if I was doing it correctly before. Um, so... Jeff is you actually wear many hats. So like if somebody's listening to this podcast, they are probably like bated breath. Like, why is Jeff on? Because it could be for a lot of different things. Um, honeypot module, um, technical architect at Acquia. Um, but today we're here to talk about the Drupal VM project, which uh, is exciting uh, for me and Andrew. We, we use that. I use this daily. So, um, but we'll get into a second and talk about that. But um, you're also the it says here you're the co-organizer of the St. Louis Users Group, and uh, also the Ansible St. Louis Group too. Ah, <laughs> how, how much uh, attendance you get for the, those two? Uh, usually ten or fifteen people for each one. Nice. So not a huge group, but it's fun to to meet with the people all the time. Yeah. Uh, and you have, you're the author of Ansible for DevOps, which is probably pretty related to what we're going to be talking about today. Yep. Um, but that's a, is it ebook or published book? Uh, like a, it's, a it, it's available on Amazon or LeanPub. I, okay. I usually recommend people buy things on LeanPub because that you always get the latest version of the book, but okay. uh, you can get it however you want. Cool. Yeah. So I, I've just barely touched on Ansible, mostly just of looking through Drupal VM and trying to figure out what it's doing. Um, and we mentioned also you're the maintainer of the Honeypot module, which you must have a huge amount of usage on that, right? 
Yeah, I think it's up to in the 80s in the top 80 modules now of Drupal and okay. in the top 30 or 40 for Drupal 8. So it's been fun, been an interesting module. Started that a few years back and it's just been growing and growing. Cool. All right. So before we get into the interview about Drupal VM, we have a little note about our sponsor, Lenovate. Uh, that Kelly, can you tell us more about them? Yes. So today's podcast is sponsored by Linovate. As Drupal developers, we build sites for our clients, and then we hand them off and move on to the next project. So what happens when there's an issue with the site? Who does the client call? You may, Is it the developer? Maybe you're available. Maybe you aren't. Maybe you don't really want to be doing support. They can call the web host. Maybe the host can help them. Maybe they can't. Um, what happens when a security exploit is published? Who's making sure that their servers are secured and stay tuned for Drupal? Um, as Drupal developers, what do we do? Who do we turn to? This is where Linovate comes in. Linovate offers 24-7 around-the-clock monitoring and support for open source technologies with Drupal and Node.js as their main expertise. Linovate is a proud community member and contributor for 10 years in the Drupal community since the days of Drupal 4.5. So you know they know what they're doing, and they probably know what you're doing as well. Linovate offers 24-7 monitoring and 24-7 support for you or your client sites, and all plans include live telephone support. No matter where you host your servers, Linovate will provide you with a professional, on-call, and hands-on care plan, which will make sure your site is up, running, and secured at all times. They offer referral fees for developers as well as white label services for larger shops, and plans start at just $590 a month. Check them out at www.linovate.net slash SLA. Thank you. All right, so the big topic of the day is the Drupal VM. And uh, starting this off, obviously, is where we want to sort of, you know, some people who listen may be using the Drupal VM. They may be using other VMs. They may have no idea what it is. So to start off with, you know, what is the VM in Drupal VM? Uh, VM stands for virtual machine. And for somebody who uh, doesn't know what one of those is, basically it's, it's a way of wrapping an entire computer operating system inside of something else. So uh, you know, if, if you're running if you're running a server somewhere in the cloud on DigitalOcean or Amazon or one of the cloud hosting providers, usually your server and your Drupal site is running inside a VM on another computer. So it's a quick way of of letting you uh, basically run computers inside computers. So it lets you do things like um, separate out different configurations and separate out different sites. And also it's good for security because anything that runs inside of a VM can't easily attack what's running on the, the host computer. So in Drupal VMs instance, it'd be something running inside a VM on your own computer. You wouldn't be able to have it attack your computer. And you'd also kind of have more isolation of, of what's running inside there. So you don't, it doesn't affect what you're doing in, in your web browser and your Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I really love about VM, since it separates out that machine, is you can have, you touched upon it, different versions of uh, libraries or even software running in there. So one site may require MySQL, you know, the database server of a, we'll just say an old uh, 4.x version of MySQL. And then another site you might have might require the latest. You can run them side by side in two different VMs and they won't fight with each other and you don't have to go through like a million blog posts to get them running side by side. So that's kind of a cool thing for VMs. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the other thing is if you have, if you and a client, um, or you and other people on the team, potentially, if you are all inside a VM, 
you can, you know, hopefully make sure that you're on the same VM and then not have these like it worked on my machine types of problem. Which brings us to another another thing that that obviously is a big part of Drupal VM is Vagrant, which is I think part of it is that's a really big part of keeping the machines in a really no, a known state, right? Yeah, Vagrant was created a few years back uh, to kind of fix that it works on my machine problem. So traditionally what would happen is, you know, every developer on a project would have their own version of Apache and MySQL and all that kind of stuff running on their computer. You could use MAMP or you could just install it directly. Every developer would be editing PHP INI files and tweaking the MySQL configuration and installing Drush in different ways. So what happens after all that is everyone's environment's slightly different. You might have PHP 5.2 and 5.5 and 5.6, and somebody's like, I want to do PHP 5 or 7. The problem with doing that is when you run code on different environments, the code can behave differently. And so you have that problem that you mentioned. It works on my machine. Vagrant was created to make it so that these virtual machines can be set up. And then the way that the setup is done is shared between everybody. So even if you're not using Drupal VM, a lot of projects uh, like um, uh, there's like Vlad and and uh, Valkyrie and a bunch of other ones too that use Vagrant to build a virtual machine that's ex- identical for everybody. So everybody gets the same PHP version. You get the same, uh, you know, if, it, if you need Apache Solar for search, everybody gets the same version of that. And Vagrant makes it so you don't all have to do all those manual steps yourself. You just run a command, in this case, Vagrant up or Vagrant provision. And then Vagrant sits there and does all the hard labor of installing everything that you need. So, which brings us to, so if Vagrant can do all that, I know there's another part that, that you work a lot with and, and Drupal VM depends on is Ansible. So if Vagrant can, you know, make sure everybody's using all the same versions, then then what does Ansible need and or what does Ansible do and why, why do you need it for Drupal VM? So Vagrant does the part of plugging in a virtual machine into a set of scripts that will build the machine. But what Ansible does is make those scripts really easy to maintain and write and share. There's a lot of different ways you could build everything, and, and a lot of people, and myself included a few years back, uh, you'd just write a bunch of shell scripts where it, it's like you run a bunch of commands inline to install PHP and to copy your configuration file, and that can work, but the problem with that is it's really hard to write really good shell scripts. Like If you ever run a shell script the second time, it might break things, so then you have to add a lot of code in and do a lot of weird things to get things to run correctly. And then also, if you're trying to get a shell script to run on seven different kinds of computers, there's a lot of weird things that happen too. So Ansible is a configuration management uh, application. It's, it, it does some other things too, but in this case, it's just helping to build all the software inside of the, the VM that Vagrant manages. And uh, it uses a syntax that's really easy and approachable, YAML, uh, which Drupal 8 uses all over the place too for configuration. Uh, so it's really easy to tell tell your your Vagrant machine what needs to be installed and how to install it. The coolest thing, for, in my opinion, for Drupal VM is that lets me have one configuration file that can define everything about the VM, the version of PHP and what kind of libraries you want to install, whether you want to install uh, a dashboard for MySQL, all those kind of things. You can define it in one configuration file that's pretty easy to read and share on, on your team. 
Yeah, which I, you know, when I first come into the documentation for Drupal VM, you know, most of what I've done as far as editing is all in that you have a config.yaml file in the, the base directory, I guess. So is that, that is a YAML file or, or sorry, that's an Ansible file that, that Ansible is reading? It's, it's basically a YAML file with a bunch of properties in it. So it, Ansible does use that as its configuration, but Vagrant, I also have it uh, in the Vagrant file. It reads that file for some of the Vagrant machine configurations. So you can set the memory size for the machine and how many CPUs you want to dedicate. I use some defaults that are pretty good for anybody, but you know, if you have a giant Drupal site that requires a lot more memory, you might want to increase the memory requirement. Or if you have a, a Mac Pro or something, you could use eight cores instead of two cores for more speed. So bringing it back a little bit to your example from before. So if someone was using the Drupal VM and they're starting on a new project, they would download the files from uh, GitHub. They would edit those couple YAML files or copy them and edit them to customize it for their environment. And then they just vagrant up and they should have a running Drupal install. Yeah. Uh, out of the box, if you just copy those two files, there's actually a quick start guide. Uh, it'll install you a brand new Drupal 8 site running the latest stable version of Drupal at this point, 8.1. And you can start browsing it and playing with it and installing new modules and doing whatever you need to do. Yeah, I think that is one really good thing about Drupal VM. And I sort of the question, one question I have is like, your like your time on this, what do you think is split between like actually making all the Ansible configuration stuff like that and actually doing the documentation? So it seems like the documentation is, is you know, it's done really well. Yeah, the cool thing about this project is I actually didn't really build Drupal VM ever until after I had built a few other things that were like it, but Drupal VM started getting popular because other people liked it. I built all the components that make up Drupal VM, like the component that installs and configures Apache and the one that configures and installs Nginx and MySQL. All of those are what in Ansible we call roles. It's like a little bundle of configuration. I built those all over the past couple of years uh, for other projects, and I actually use the same, same code and the same roles for all my production infrastructure, and a lot of people use them actually, not, not just for Drupal VM. Uh, so the neat thing that happened was I took those things that I had built for production servers and I just kind of put them together in a playbook and built Drupal VM. And then a lot of other people started using it. And then I realized after I had a, a few hundred people emailing me in the course of a month, I was like, I should probably do something like document how you're supposed to do things with it. <laughs> so over, over the past year, I've gone from a 1.0 release that was kind of buggy, wasn't well tested on Windows to now... We're at uh, a 2.0 and uh, coming up on a 3.0 sooner or later. And one of the big focuses I've had is making sure everything's better documented. And there have been a lot of people helping with that. It's been awesome. So, like, if so, if I was wanted to start using a virtual machine, and you know, what is the case for you know why should I pick either? I mean, I guess why should I not go with like a general? vagrant ansible setup and why should i look for something that's you know either yours or like vlad why should i look for something that's drupal specific one thing that's nice about the drupal specific vms is that they're usually tuned for drupal drupal is a lot different than a lot of other php applications that i've i've worked with like i know laravel has homestead and it's it's very similar to drupal vm it installs most of the same software but a lot of the little tweaks that they do in there and a lot of the documentation is specific to, to Laravel and not to Drupal itself. 
So you have to kind of mesh things together to get Drush working or get Drupal console on it, that kind of stuff. Most things aren't, it's not that hard. Like if, if you're used to the idea of using a VM, it's not going to be the worst experience trying to use a different project, but Drupal VM and Vlad and some of the other ones, they're, they're more built just for Drupal. And so you're going to get a lot more support for it. And you're going to find blog posts that tell you how to do X, Y, Z instead of having to figure it out all out on your own. So in you, do you imagine, or is your sort of like how you have set up Drupal VM, is it so that you would have one site per VM? Some people use it that way. Uh, other people use it where they put all their sites in one VM. It really depends on how you like to develop. So for myself, at any given time, I'm working on five to 10 different sites, usually one or two big sites, and then a couple personal projects. So I usually have one Drupal VM instance that has all my personal stuff on it, like three or four sites. And then I have another VM for each other big project. So, you know, I, I work as a technical technical architect at Acquia. So any of the big projects I'm working on there, I'll build an independent VM for it because usually those projects require specific setup with Apache Solar or they, they do some special things with Memcache. But for my personal projects, I just want to run them quickly. So I just put them all into one VM. And you, you, there's documentation for how to do that uh, whatever way you want to do it, whether you're doing multi-site or multiple Drupal sites, that kind of thing. Yeah, I actually have a pretty similar setup. The, the, when I started to really adopt Drupal VM was I had this one client who were sort of doing like paired programming training development. And uh, he was on Linux and I was on Mac and he was having some issues with his server. And we would always have some, you know, kill some time, like trying to figure out why his machine was acting differently. Um, so we added actually sort of incorporated Drupal VM into the repo so that, you know, we have one repo for everything, which I, I mean, I don't know if that's a good idea, but it, it works well so far for us. We're not in production yet. Um, but, and then like I, like you said, I, I have like tons of sites where I just want to spin up a module to see how it works. So I have an, like maybe another VM for that, where I'll have like 20 sites just in subdirectories or whatever. Um, and it works. I mean, that's one thing I, at first I was feeling like I didn't want to adopt a VM because I had local MAMP and I had, you know, like 40 sites for just random, you know, I have my client sites, but then I would have like a random site I spun up to test two modules together or something like that. And I had heard before, like, oh yeah, I should have a VM per site. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to spin up, you know, 40, you know, <laughs> randomly spin up a VM just because I want to, I forgot how a particular module works with another module or whatever. But yeah, one, one really neat thing that has helped recently with, if you want to do it either way in the past, the, the argument against doing one VM per site was you need a lot of hard disk space because each VM would need its own, its, its own hard drive image, which would be like 500 megabytes or a gigabyte. With SSDs, that's not as easy to do nowadays. But um, recent versions of VirtualBox, which is the main uh, free and open source software that Vagrant uses to build the VMs, recent versions let you uh, use a kind of a special specialized clone that's really fast of the base image, so you don't have to waste as much disk space for each VM that you run. Uh, but for, you know, for efficiency, I like having multiple sites in one VM. Uh, that's how I used to use MAMP. I, you know, when I used to use MAMP, I had, like you said, 40, 50 sites running on it at any given time. 
So transferring that over to using one VM is, is not that difficult. Is this like a good idea for introduction for what, what, what does Drupal VM get you besides just the fact that it's a virtualized machine? What more stuff you have Drupal console, you have Drush. Um, I know in the config file, there's a lot of optional stuff that you can just uncomment and it automatically gets installed. Yeah, that was one thing that I, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, people ask for everything. And if I wanted to include everything, that'd be, that'd be great for those people. But for a lot of other people, it can add overhead. It can add to the project maintenance. One nice thing about the way that it's built with Ansible is it's easy to install different components or not install certain components and, and not break anything. And everything is tested independently. So, you know, if I'm making changes to the way my SQL is installed, nothing else should break. Uh, but one cool thing that Drupal VM has 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 is, is every part of a Drupal stack you could ever imagine using, almost. There's still a few more that I'm I'm looking into, but it, it includes Varnish, it includes Apache Solar, Node.js, Ruby, Selenium, uh, Behat, Memcache, Redis, XHprof, Xdebug, uh, Adminer, so that you can log into your databases on the interface. Mailhog for debugging email issues. Like it, it has a lot of tools built into it that you might have to spend two or three hours configuring on your own if you're doing your own kind of setup. And or more. Yeah, or more. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you'll you'll have to read blog posts about it and try to figure out how to do it on whatever system you're on. And you'll find issues with Simlinks and Windows and Mac and Linux and all all this kind of stuff. The nice thing about Drupal VM is it's all pre-configured for you and in in almost all cases, I try to make it really customizable. So, you know, for Varnish, some people are still on Varnish 3, so you can install Varnish 3 if you need to. Um, and for Solar, you can install the right version of Solar that you need, and Node.js is the same way. Uh, so all that's configurable out of the box, just changing a couple lines in your config file. So um, for one thing that I've sort of thought about and you wrote about recently is is using Vagrant or using Drupal VM or Vagrant in general as a way to get around some of the headaches in, for Windows development. I, you know, I do a lot of training and not, you know, not to pick on Windows people, but it's that's where we have a lot of just the technical issues um, as far as they're getting their um you know, getting their setup working. Obviously, there, a lot of times we'll have just, you know, some Windows issue getting Drupal console installed, or actually, I don't even know if you can do that. Um, but you wrote an article developing with VirtualBox and Vagrant on Windows. And I was hoping when I read it that you would say like, oh yeah, use Drupal VM and, um, you know, it'll solve all your problems. But it seemed like I mean, you were kind of saying, yeah, it does solve a lot of your problems, but you'll still actually, it's not headache-free completely. Yeah, and the point of that blog post really was to kind of show people uh, if you're using Windows, you're going to have to expect to have some issues with almost any kind of open source software. I mean, part of it is a it's a philosophical issue where a lot of people who build open source software purposely don't use Windows or maybe even Mac OS X because they're closed source. So a lot of the tool building people use Linux and they don't really even test things on Windows. Um, and most of the time you can work around those kind of issues by, by having an environment, uh, using tools like Siegewin and commander and things like that, that emulate a, a Linux environment on your windows machine. But there's, there are always little issues that, that eat away at some time. So 
a lot of times if somebody is coming uh, into you know professional Drupal development on a Windows environment, then we'll see, is it possible for you to use Linux or is it possible for you to use a Mac or anything like that? Just because that can usually head off some of those little annoying issues that, that picket things. That being said, um, there's, there are a lot of tools out there like Vagrant in particular and Drupal VM where the authors do make a point to test things on Windows. Uh, so I do offer, I, I do support Windows for Drupal VM, and every time I do a release, I test everything out uh, on my Windows laptop that I bought just to do Drupal VM testing, and I paid for a Windows 10 license. But the the general problem is there's a lot of people who are like me who wouldn't be willing to spend the four or five hundred bucks just to test things for a Windows user. Um, and that's kind of the sacrifice that you make if you're developing for open source software in a Windows environment. I think you should just put a button on your screen that says, buy me a Windows computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's great that you put in that effort and that expense, though. I started off my Drupal career still on a Windows machine. Um, and it was so hard. You know, all the tools were for Mac. Um, and... So it would it would have been nice at the time if <laughs> if this had existed and there had you know been something like this where people were actually uh, looking out for the tragic Windows users. <laughs> yeah, and and you know it's it's funny because there are a lot of kinds of software development where Windows and Linux are equivalent, or where Windows is obviously much better, like .NET development and things like that. So. I found a lot of a lot of uh, developers are coming across from some other kind of project, sometimes .NET or Java development, things like that, and they they kind of are amazed that some of the tools don't really work that well on Windows. But <laughs> a lot of those users can figure out uh, how to work around those problems inside of Windows, and and you know you, you can be productive on a Windows environment. But the the warning is it might take more time to get productive. Uh, and if you can, you might want to look into whether or not using Linux can solve some of those issues. So, so back when I was on Windows, I was using a virtual machine. Um, and then since I switched to Mac, I have been happy with MAMP. So sell me on, you've done this a little bit, but sell me on why MAMP is not good enough um, and I should be using Drupal VM instead. So basically, I, I used to use MAMP before I used Drupal VM, and the the thing that got me finally to jump ship was trying to get Apache Solar, Varnish, and a few PHP plugin uh, PHP extensions compiled into it for a project that I was working on. I kind of got Solar working, and I kind of got PHP working, and then I had issues with Drush seeing the wrong version of PHP, and then I had issues with some other tools seeing the wrong version of PHP. And after probably spending a week doing all that, I decided to try out this new Vagrant thing I had just heard about. And I just installed Vagrant and grabbed a box that I found somewhere online. And within about a day or two, I did all the same stuff that I had to do in MAMP, but it was all working fine. And the cool thing was I put it in a shell script and I could rebuild the entire thing from scratch if I messed something up. You know, if, if you mess something up in the MAMP configuration and you don't you're not very diligent about like checking it into some sort of version control, then you might want to just scrap all of MAMP and then reinstall it from scratch. And it, that was kind of where, where it, it went off the rails for me. Um, the other thing that's nice is I can emulate the server environment that I'm, I'm in 
like if I'm on Acquia Cloud or if I'm on a DigitalOcean server or if I'm on uh, Hot Drupal or some other Drupal host, I can emulate their environment almost exactly using Drupal VM, whereas with MAMP, it was always a little, little off in different ways. All right. So <laughs> that was a lot of information about Drupal VM. Um, we're going to put some stuff in the show notes. There's a um, quick introduction video that I actually haven't seen yet. Um, and you've released Drupal VM 2.3.0, which I've actually checked out because I know I've seen the new dashboard. Um, and it says something at Windows. Is there better support for Windows there or something? Yeah, two, capital? yeah 2.3 had a lot of uh, little bug fixes for Windows users, making making it work better on Windows 8 and 10. And you have something we're going to link to called the Drupal VM Generator. Yeah, there's there's a few cool tools now that help you build Drupal VM environments more efficiently and quickly for teams. Cool. Um, yeah, and so I just want to thanks on behalf of the larger Drupal community because, um, like you said, you you're a technical architect for Acquia, so this is not like your 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 full time gig making this, but it's really useful to a lot of us. Um, I think I may have just. I think I bought the Ansible book for a while, even though I did, you know, I wanted to learn a little bit about Ansible, but also like, obviously like you went out and bought a Windows machine to keep, uh, to keep Drupal VM working for Windows. So if anybody is, um, you know, finds it really useful, you know, they could go out to the Ansible for DevOps and buy that book to support you, I suppose. Right. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Or uh, I, I also have discount codes too. So just, Ping okay. me on ping me on Twitter and I'll send you a discount. And maybe sometime you'll go to the website and you'll see buy me a, a laptop, uh, a Windows <laughs> laptop. But. Yeah, when this one breaks. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, what? Uh, anything you want to is talk about for the future of Drupal VM before we move on? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people ask me about the direction in terms of whether I'm going to start using Docker, uh, whether I'm going to start including other things like. Postgres and um, some other software. There, there's uh, everything that I'm currently working on is in the GitHub issue queues. So check there if you're looking at kind of the timeline and milestones. Uh, but I, to the to the point about Docker, a lot of people have been asking more and more about that, and I I think that parts of Drupal VM may become Dockerized at some point. But right now, that's not one of my main goals. Uh, just because the way that Drupal VM is architected, it's built to be flexible and change a lot and you know be different and be able to be reconfigured easily. Docker is not made to support that use case as much as the use case of building the same set of things in many different places. So you know, it, I'd, I'd love to keep talking about it and, and working on some of the things that we could use Docker for to make things faster for developers. Uh, but that's one thing that I, I keep getting asked about, so I thought I might as well mention it here. All right, cool. Well, yeah, so for anybody interested, you can go out to DrupalVM.com. One thing that I would just like to say is really easy. I mean, because it's a virtual machine, you can you know pretty easily test it out. And if it's not your cup of tea, you know you can just sort of scrap it and go back to MAP or whatever you're doing. But um, yeah, it's really easy to try out and see, to see if, if you like it. Um, so quickly, some Drupal Easy news. Uh, so Drupal Easy and Six Mile Tech, me and Mike are going to be doing Introduction to Drupal 8 Module Development at DrupalCon in New Orleans. And that's, I think, a little less than two months away. Um, so we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but we're on the main training page there in New Orleans. So if you want to learn 
Drupal 8 module development, obviously there's been um, tons of changes um, and it's it's a whole new ball game. So sign up and we'll spend the day sort of delving in, making three um, three example modules and sort of showing you what's what's changed, which is almost everything. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to the three stories. So I guess I'll take the first one. Um, we had the 2016 Drupal Association at large election winner announced. And actually I will take this, but, but I wasn't the one who actually pronounced, uh, practiced <laughs> pronouncing the name. So Kelly announced the winner. I believe, <laughs> I believe it is pronounced Shamala Rajaram. Okay. And Forgive me if that's wrong. Yeah. And she won from a, a lot of people. And I guess the Drupal Association, I'm sort of drawing a blank at how other people get on the um, get on the board. But there is one member. I think there's only one member that's elected from the members of the Drupal Association. So if you're a member of the Drupal Association and the, you've been to Drupal.com in the last few months and you've been signed in, you saw a link to say, go vote on the at-large member. Um, so looks like she has been involved in the, uh, mobile initiative for Drupal eight since 2013. Um, it seems like, uh, on her page, uh, the candidate page, she was getting a lot of, um, props or, uh, a lot of, what do you call it? Endorsements from a lot of people around India. Um, so it seems like she's been involved for a while and, and doing good work. Um, so I think, uh, the, board right now it hasn't been really that uh, geographically diverse or maybe not diverse in a lot of other ways so it's good to getting somebody else you know we have had DrupalCon in India um, so now we're getting somebody from that region on the board so it's good to have you know different perspectives you know bringing in you know how the Drupal community from around the world. Well, and if if people want it to be more diverse, which is always a good thing, mm -hmm. this year we had uh, just over 2,000 people voted, which sounds like a lot, but out of the pool of the Drupal Association people that were eligible to vote, it's only 1.56%. So if you're an association member, make sure that you get out and vote next year uh, for, is it one year or two year? Well, whenever the next election is, yeah. you get out and vote so you can uh, help increase that diversity. Yeah, because they do a lot. I mean, they you know keep Drupal.org running. They help. They help with DrupalCons, and is that right? Yeah. So yeah, they're the drivers behind DrupalCon. Yeah, so they have a lot of effect on our community. And if you're a member, you know this is one big way to get your voice heard. Um, so I'm sure she'll be doing a great job in the next two years, maybe one or two years, however long her term is. If and maybe she'll be reelected. Um, I'm sure she'll be doing a great job representing us. So that's exciting. Perhaps a future guest. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be, that would be an honor for us. Uh, all right, Kelly. So what's the next story? All right. So we've got a blog post from OS training about the new features in Drupal 8.1. There's some exciting stuff in there. Um, I think we've talked about big pipe before on the podcast. Um, but if you, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, big pipe is allowing Drupal eight pages to load the fastest loading parts of the page first um, and sort of placehold the others and then bring in the slow loading content as it's available. So you get the appearance of the page having loaded much, much faster. Um, I always saw it demoed at the 
Boston Drupal meetup, and it's it's really really cool. Um, so I think people are going to be excited about that. We've got an interface for uh, a UI for the upgrade and migration from Drupal six and seven. Um, that's going to help some of the less technical site builders. Um, Get sites upgraded to Drupal 8, so that is super exciting. And inline form errors, I'm very happy about this one personally. Instead of getting that one error up at the top of the page, and then you have to scroll all the way down the form and find where it was that you went wrong, the message will be right there next to the thing you failed to do. That's good, um, because that never happens on small forms. It's only on the largest, most painful <laughs> form that you get that error, that generic error. Exactly. Um and uh, and then a few improvements in uh, language translation. They've got some uh, CK editor. You're going to be able to select the language so that you'll have better translation for content editors um, and uh, some improvements over how distributions handle, uh, handle language selection. So some good stuff. So also, I guess... Since this is the first release since 8.0 or the first, what is it? Are these major, minor releases? Um, the fact that some of these big pipe Drupal upgrade UI and inline forms are what they call experimental. Um, I think this is, the, is this the first time we had experimental modules or does anybody know, did we have experimental modules there in 8.0? I guess Migrate maybe was experimental at that point. It, my, migrate was a full module, not labeled experimental, but I think there's actually a new policy that they made for these new modules uh, with how, how they'll be handled and how upgrades happen and that kind of thing. Yeah. So is, I think there's like a difference in backwards compatibility. Like they can break, maybe they can break backwards compatibility if it's, if it's currently labeled like big pipe, if they find out like, oh, we have some big problem on some servers and we need to change something that's going to actually break installations. They can maybe do that yeah. because it's still experimental. So, um, yeah. So I think it's a good way to get stuff out there for people to, um, you know, to test, um, and some big changes the inline forms, even like just, I was sort of thinking like, that's not a big deal to me, but I, it's a big deal obviously for people using Drupal. <laughs> so, um, just like a headache. Um, so that'll be exciting. Anybody know when that's, uh, oh, April it's released in April. Yep. And then it looks like we're looking at, uh, October for 8.2. Okay. So we have dates or, or relative or approximate. we have a target target. Yeah. Dates. <laughs> yeah. So that's exciting. That's new. Um, all right. So the next story is, uh, scrolling down, scrolling down, Andrew, Yep, What's it's all story? about the community keynote for DrupalCon New Orleans. New Orleans or New Orleans? I don't know. If you want to uh, send hate mail, uh, we have comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, I won't even go there. At DrupalEasy.com slash, slash podcast. Uh, so what this was is the community got to vote on a, uh, well, the community keynote. And over 200 people uh, voted and uh, on which one they want, and it turned out to be Schnitzel's talk. Uh, your brain health is more important than your standing desk. I don't know how Schnitzel knows I have a standing desk, but I'm impressed. <laughs> 
Uh, going into uh, the write-up on the talk, it looks like uh, Schnitzel is a CTO and has dealt with a lot of stress, and they talk about how they handle it and try to avoid burnout and, you know, keep that, you know, healthy mind going, because let's face it, whether you're editing Drupal or uh, theming, doing something creative, uh, even developing, you got to use your noggin for it. So it's important to keep that in tip-top shape. And so I didn't go to Barcelona, but I know Barcelona, I, I think Barcelona was the first community keynotes. I'm not sure if they, does anybody know if they did that in Drupal Con Asia? I do not know. But I don't know if they vote. I don't remember there being a vote for Barcelona keynote, but I could be wrong. Um, but that's cool that they're doing a, I, I mean, I like the idea of a community keynote and I like the idea that it's voted on. So I will be probably make a, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I always make a point to go to all the keynotes. I usually go to the tree note, trees note, but you know, I'll make a point to go to this one. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's nine o'clock. In the morning. Depends on what you did the night before. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, this, this should be a good one. Um, though probably a lot of the keynotes that I'm missing are actually, I should be not missing them. <laughs> I don't um, know. I, I sometimes miss them, but then watch them in video form after that. That's true, but you don't get that live. Like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so if my arithmetic is right, that is three stories. Um, looks like we don't have any listener feedback um, for this. Uh, I guess that's an old thing in the outline, um, which brings us to picks of the week. And I don't, um, you know, I don't. Do we usually let the guest choose first? I feel like that's what we should do. I think that's a good idea. All right, Jeff, what's your pick of the week? Sounds good to me. I just found out about this yesterday, but it's a new, it's highly experimental at this point, no release yet, but it's called Refreshless. It's a new module uh, that Wim Lears uh, let me know about. It's It lets you make your Drupal 8 site kind of uh, a one-page app-like site where you, you click and the page doesn't actually reload. It just refreshes the content on the page. Uh, for the new page. It's kind of cool. Neat to check out the demo video on the module page. Oh, so this is not like, but it does reload. I mean, it does pull down a whole page request. It's not like it just clicks something and then replaces like a block in line or something. It Well, sort of. It actually uses Drupal 8's cache information to know just the parts of the page that are changing and pull down just just those little bits of the page. Ah, so it actually, yeah, so it's not actually pulling down the whole thing again and, and, and just, yeah, nice. From the demo video, it looks super smooth. Yeah, it, trying it out on my my machine, it was really, it's it's such a weird and awesome feeling to be clicking around on, on a Drupal site and it feels like you're clicking around on an application on your computer. Unlike so, overlay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it'll be so smooth we'll bring overlay back. <laughs> No, no, we're, we're never going back. <laughs> so is this one of the things like Big Pipe is where it's just no configuration, it's just you install it and there it is? Hopefully someday. I, I know that there's a couple little issues like breadcrumbs are a little funny with it. And I'm, you know, it, it's, it was something that was kind of started by Wim, I think okay. on a limb a few, a few weeks ago, or I don't know when he started working on it, but the cool thing about it is Drupal 8's caching really empowers all these different innovative ideas because in Drupal 7, it was impossible to do this in any generic way. I, I know because I tried doing it for Ajax and views and it took me mm-hmm. forever and I couldn't get it yeah. working well. 
in Drupal 8, all the data is there that we need. So it's just a matter of, of plugging all the tools together and writing some JavaScript to do it. So you did this, uh, you installed refresh this locally? Yeah, on, on a Drupal VM instance. There's and a couple it, uh, of caveats. It's for it only really works for logged in users, and okay. um, there's a couple other little issues that you have to do a small core patch, I think, to get it to, okay. to work correctly. Cool. Which is, I guess, is nice that we have these small or the what are the minor releases of Drupal is that maybe in eight point one or eight point two you might not need that patch. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so exciting that was definitely something but but when you installed it you didn't actually besides that patch you didn't have to configure anything else no okay all right kelly uh actually this this your pick of the week i've used that before tell us about it yeah people may already know about this but uh the noun project for icons and I have been I've been using them really heavily this week, so that's why they were on my mind. Um, I find a lot of times if you're looking for stock icons, you get these giant, you know, you go to iStock or whatever, and you've got these giant sets with gazillions of icons, and so you're scanning this page of a hundred different things, trying to look for the one little thing you want. Um, and the Noun Project is a website with just a really simple interface, great searching, white background, icons, that's it. Not a lot of stuff to wade through. Um, and uh, you can either have a membership for $9.99 a month and get all the icons you want, or you can not be a member and just get use any icon. They all have their licensing information, so most of them are Creative Commons, so you can use any one free with attribution, or you can just buy them one at a time. Um, for two bucks. And so, which is great if you're an infrequent icon needer. Um, so I'm just, I'm a fan. I like their, I like their UI. And, uh, and it looks like from the notes, you have a, you have a particular icon that you're picking. I can, I can see that someone has a oh. particular icon that they're picking. Oh, I thought you put and, that in there. And I might've um, added that. <laughs> And so should we should we go and look at this icon? <laughs> sure, it actually came up with something. I figured it's it's not going to have this one and I guess you can go to the show and notes then it to does. find out there, which one. Yeah. yeah. And there are a couple of results there. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, one thing I also like about the Noun project is uh, I guess a lot of them are under Creative Commons and they list the license, so that's nice so you can be sort of like know that that you can use them in in what aspect or whatever. Um, yeah, that's actually something I sort of forgot about, but it's been very useful in the past. Okay, Andrew, what's your pick of the week? Okay, mine is actually one that I learned about at uh, Drupal Camp Florida from Jesus. It is called uh, Peco. And I guess uh, I should ask you, uh, or I hope to everyone has at least used the command line somewhat uh, to be able to do things. And it, if you use the command line a bit, uh, you know, quite a bit, you could probably remember back to those days where it was new. It was, you know, really weird. And you're like, people are like, no, it's really, really powerful. And you could do this and that. And all of a sudden they've got like an ASCII uh, parrot or something on the screen and they just cured cancer. Um, Nothing's more but, powerful than an ASCII parrot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Peko is just another tool that you can add to your toolkit to make those parrots even more powerful. Uh, alliteration today, that's my thing. Uh, so 
what Peko does is it's kind of like a visual grepping tool. Now, grep allows you to search through file contents, uh, but Peko allows you to search through file contents or it allows you to search through pipe content. So it's pretty cool. Like if you're going through an Apache log, uh, you can uh, use Peko for it. You can narrow it down by typing in some text that you're searching for, hit down a couple times, hey, there's the line you need. And when you hit return, uh, it will actually send whatever you selected out to standard output, which then you could pipe into something else uh, to have your super powerful computer uh, do something with. So it's pretty handy if you're on the command line a lot or you need to search for through lists of data or lots of data really quickly. So one thing I like about this project page is they have two little GIFs. I just find that it helps, you know, because you see this person on the command line typing stuff in. and Yep, worth a million words. Yeah, though. You you explained it very, very nicely, though. (laughs) They they need to add some parrots. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. So my pick of the week is this new website called drupaldeploy.org. And this is kind of like, um, there's a lot of, uh, I'm very loosely helping with this. I'm not helping with the site, but um, looking at some of the projects. So it basically is talking about effective Drupal content staging and the whole idea of you know, either being able to stage content on a particular site where you want to write up a bunch of content and have that content show up on a particular date, or you want to move that content out to a different Drupal site. Um, so it basically, this site kind of shows you the different um, modules that are involved in this. There's a whole suite of uh, modules that I think they're calling like the work uh workspace preview system and there's a little use use with link up at the top where it talks about multi-version replication workspace um, workbench moderation and deploy and you know staging content obviously is a a hard problem that i don't think has been solved i i don't do a lot of these sites but it seems like what from what i've heard is you know it's not been solved greatly in drupal 7 and so they're trying to sort of attack it really early in drupal 8 um, so I've been working with the multi-version module, which basically just makes everything on your site, uh, revisionable, but, um, I think it's kind of a interesting site because a lot of times you'll have these modules that work together on drupal.org, but, and maybe have been developed by the same people, but there, it's kind of hard to see how they all work together. Um, so this is sort of a site that shows you, okay, this is how you could work with all these different, uh, modules together. So, so let me let me get this yeah. one right because yeah. I worked with a lot of publishing clients in the past, newspapers, you yeah. know, TV channels, that type of thing. They love to have you know someone write it up, an editor go through it and say yes, no, and yeah. then they want that to magically appear on production. So yeah. this takes it so the the writer and the editor are working on some type of either staging or content server. When they say it's good to go, they can push a magic button and it goes out to production and it looks just right there. That's the idea. So it basically introduces these this idea of workspaces. So the idea that you would have a workspace which could be on one site. You could have multiple workspaces on one site, or you could have a staging workspace on one site and then the production on another. And it deals with basically... Um, so this all is, I think, not... This is all in the works, but the idea is that you would be able to merge um, this stuff together. Because obviously, if you you know, try to push something out to production, 
but on production, that same node that you've worked with has been edited since you basically, it allows this sort of like git like forking when you forked it to, to put in your workspace to edit that node. And then there's been changes in production since then you have to make a decision, you know, are my changes more important or should there be some sort of complex merging? So, um, if you, you would get a screen, I guess, eventually would say, you know, take, take this one or take that one, maybe on a field level. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the answer to the question is mine more important is yes. <laughs> Peco, Peco m- being more important. Is that the question? Oh no, no. <laughs> Just the, yeah, the content. Mine always wins yeah. merge conflict. Sorry. Yeah. That, that could be a, I think that's one of the strategies. Mine always wins. <laughs> um, so I think it's an interesting space that, you know, I'm, I'm, um, interested to see how it plays out and uh, sort of partially working on this on the Drupal 8 module accelerant, acceleration program with Acquia, but I think there's a lot of other people working on it too. Um, so that's the picks of the week. Um, so we're going to move on to upcoming events. Um, so we have Texas camp, which I'm guessing nobody is going because nobody's close. Anybody going to Texas camp? I'm not, but it's in Dallas. Yep, it is in Dallas. And this is their first statewide camp, I think. Wow. Um, so it's a two-day camp. That should be interesting. Um, Drupal Delphia. So I'm going to break the news here that I'm not going to Drupal Delphia, which I have to email them back and tell them, sorry, I, I can't do the session. I think this is the first time I've just said I can't do a session that has been accepted. Um, it's my mom's 75th birthday. So that's a well, pre-happy more. birthday to her. Yeah, I guess slightly more important. So, <laughs> does she uh, listen to the podcast? Uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast, as far as I know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> we'll see if she's talking about Peco next week. Maybe <laughs> right to the podcast. <laughs> um, and then, da da, the big uh, event coming up is DrupalCon New Orleans, May 9th through thirteenth. Um, which, and I'm sure that's going to be extended on both sides by um, by sprints and the like um so and trainings and what's that and trainings and trainings yeah, yeah. maybe a training on monday and hopefully a for drupal vm too yeah nice nice um so anybody or is everybody here going yes yep i don't know yet okay mm. and, and jeff you said there's going to be a boff so i'm imagining you're going i should hope so <laughs> yeah <laughs> You would be the authority at that boff, or I guess <laughs> I, I guess you shouldn't be the authority. Boffs don't have authorities per se. No, I'll be the ringleader. Yeah, yeah. So that will be exciting um, to uh, to go down there and uh, do do all the things you do at DrupalCon and maybe more. Um, so we're going to do the um, uh, so where people can find us. Uh, you can find me at TedBow on Twitter or SixMile.com. Um, you can find Mike, who's not here, at Ultimike on Twitter um, and at Drupal Easy on Twitter. And who else is not here? Ryan is at Liberator on Twitter with the, what I guess he calls the two point. The 2.0 spelling. 2.0 spelling. <laughs> the, last, the last vowel removed. Um, I guess mine is like the three. 3.0 spelling because mine is th- my name with the last three letters removed. It just uh, chopped off part of the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, Kelly, where can we find you? And I am Brightbold on Twitter, on D.O, on the web, pretty much everywhere. 
Did you remove any vowels? I did not. It has okay. all the vowels. Um, it does do it does a weird like upper camel case thing, you know. But you but find it even if you didn't. The spelling do that. is normal. Yeah. 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 Andrew, where can we find you? Uh, I'm pretty much Andrew M. Riley everywhere, and you can remember the M is for danger. <laughs> the M is for spelling. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Jeff, where can we find you? I'm Gearling Guy pretty much everywhere, except for jeffgearling.com. Okay. Don't know why I didn't choose Gearling Guy, but whatever. Oh, Je- oh you're jeffgearling.com. Yes. Is gearlingguy.com taken? It, I just redirected it to jeffgearling.com okay. like it's eight years ago. From you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So this is the time of the podcast where we do our five questions. Um, so, you know, delve into your psyche a little bit here. Um, so name something interesting outside of Drupal that you do. Uh, and I it collect... can't be Ansible. No, no. I collect <laughs> Raspberry Pis. I actually am looking down. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 pies on my desk. You must be hungry. <laughs> I have three over on the table next to me, and then I have more scattered throughout my house. Okay. Uh, it's a fun hobby. I, I love, uh, I've always loved hardware hacking type stuff. And uh, when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to solder and gave me a soldering iron and stuff. So in the past year or so, I've gotten back into that, and I'm working on new circuits and new things for home automation and uh, I hate using this term, but the quote unquote internet of things, although I usually disconnect everything I do from the internet because I don't want my home talking to the internet. Uh, so I think most of our, our listeners will want to know if you on the new Raspberry Pi, if you can run Hulu with an HDMI output. <laughs> from what I hear that that may be possible. That's not something that I do that much of, yeah. but I, I can get 1080p video working at nice. 30 frames per second, which is decent. Okay. Well, I know at least one of our listeners slash hosts maybe was interested in that question. <laughs> All right. Um, so what's name the last piece of software you installed? And it could be on your watch, on your computer, on your Raspberry Pi, anything. Uh, well, immediately, like 10 minutes ago, I installed Poco or Paco, whatever that thing was. Paco? Paco? Yeah, I installed that just to test it out during this podcast. Nice. But uh, right before that, I installed uh, a flavor of <laughs> Debian on an O-Droid about uh, two or three hours what's ago. What's an O-Droid? An O-Droid is like a Raspberry Pi, but a little different and not as easy oh. to get set up. All right. Um, what's a goal that you have not accomplished yet that is terrifying? Um, getting my heating and cooling system to automatically control different zones of the house it's terrifying because if i get it wrong i could freeze myself to death or you could (laughs) or you could uh cost yourself like thousands of dollars right if you're constantly running the heat well that too but i'm going to set up another system to monitor energy usage and alert me on that of course that could probably kill me by electrocution too will this all be on a raspberry pis yes okay i like the danger level (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is a, a question I'm going to ask out of protest. Even I'm I'm protesting this question, even though I'm going to ask it because this is not my podcast. You know, I'm just a co-host. Uh, but uh, what is the last exotic animal you hand fed? 
Is a chicken exotic? <laughs> Wait, only if it's a rented chicken. <laughs> no, is. there are some yes. exotic chickens. They're d- different breeds that, well, the, that my, the Drupal Easy podcast would consider um, It was exotic, a bantam not, chicken in this case. I don't know. I don't know if that is exotic or not. My, my sister actually runs a chicken rental business in St. Louis. So that was the last, the last animal of any type that I hand fed. I mean, I guess humans are well, animals, can, right? Can, can we get her on the podcast? <laughs> What? She runs a running chicken business? She, yeah. she has a nice website, Ted. You should check it it's, out. It's yeah, a it's Drupal 7, 7 website. Yep. She runs. Yeah, what, what do people need the chickens for? What do they rent them out for? Uh, some people, it, it's for eggs, fresh backyard eggs. Some people, it's just for having pet chickens. I mean, chickens are kind of but, interesting. So what, like, this is going to sound weird, weird but like, what's the strange. shortest period you so, can rent a chicken did you for? Say rent? Like a week? <laughs> You, you can rent them for a summer or rent them for a month. Oh, okay. I, I don't know the different terms that there are, but uh, right. but I helped her What's set the, up that site. It's uh, theeasychicken.com. Theeasychicken.com. Okay. Is she like a pioneer? Is she the only one doing this or other people are doing this? I think there are some other ones. She, she was the first one I'd ever heard of doing it. And then when I yeah. looked into it, I'm like, oh, backyard chickens are a thing. <laughs> so, Rental backyard chickens are a thing. Yeah. 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 That's uh, something. Um so what was your Drupal tipping point? So basically, uh, I guess people answered a different way, but what were you like the point where like, yes, Drup- this Drupal thing maybe is something for me. Uh, that was probably when I was going from 56 Joomla sites to one Drupal <laughs> site with organic groups. There oh, was, wow. there was a system that I was working on. This was way back, like four or five jobs ago. Uh, when, when we, there was a site that they needed to have like 90 people edit the site. So what they did was they built basically 90 websites and each of the websites had the exact same template, same content, same menus, same everything, but each site had one or two users on it that could edit that site. So my first big project was, this is horrible. We need to upgrade it because of security thing. And it took us like six weeks to upgrade the site. We wow. switched to Drupal and upgrades were about like 10 minutes worth of time because it was one site with organic groups and permissions and that was it. Nice. Um, so I know we're wrapping up the podcast. So my dog has just arrived in my room with her tennis ball. So um, <laughs> I think that means something. <laughs> I like how you um, people measure things up north. <laughs> <laughs> she tells me she tells me every new stage of my day by bringing a different object. Um, so Jeff, thank you a lot for coming on and, um, you Thanks know, telling us more about Drupal VM. Um, I not sure me and Andrew, maybe we're already converts, maybe Kelly is, maybe not, but maybe we'll have some converts among our listeners. Um, but definitely a lot of good information. Great, great to check it out. Um, and learn more about it. So want to thank our longtime sponsored wellenable.com and, who also has devpanel.com, helps you build, manage, and deploy servers. Basically, it's kind of like cPanel for developers. Um, you can point it out to, you can go get a, I know one thing they do is you can get like a, um, something like a digital ocean drop and just say, I want to manage that and um, point your, the cPanel-like thing to the digital ocean, have it install a, um, you know, have it set up for Drupal installs or sorry, for a Drupal server. Um, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever else you can find podcasts. Um, do we, we still do this number, Andrew? 
<laughs> uh, you can. We we haven't gotten a call in a while, which I okay, mean. Okay, we have a number. It's three two one three nine six two three four zero. Please and, call us. Yeah, call us. Leave us a message. <laughs> um, maybe maybe if you also rent chickens or something like that or something else, you know, caught your fancy from this from this uh, podcast. Let us know. And upcoming podcasts, we have uh, Kathy Thays and Peter Wallanen. I'm not, I've never pronounced Peter's last name, so I'm not sure if I have that right. Um, and they are both members of the Drupal security team, so that's obviously important information. And we have um, Ryan Swarma, which I'm, I haven't pronounced his last name before either, so I'm sorry. Sarama? Yeah. Uh, so from the commerce guys and he's going to be coming to talk about commerce guys and Drupal commerce and he uh, has great dental health yes though I'm not sure we'll be able to tell from the podcast but maybe we can have him send in, send in pictures or something that's a good idea I like it <laughs> Jeff did you send in your dental pictures <laughs> no <laughs> oh man this this podcast is falling apart okay so that's all for uh, and I, I'm going to try this that's all for the Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!